0: Hello and welcome to the History of Vikings. Before I introduce today's guest, I have two announcements to make. If you enjoy the History of Vikings podcast, then do me a favor and write me a review, as I would love to hear your feedback. Secondly, if you have any suggestions, episode ideas, or know of anyone that would be a great person to have on the show, don't hesitate to reach out to me. My email address is noah at the history of Vikings.com. Again, that's noah at the history of Vikings.com. Today, I'm joined by the author of an impe- book series set right during the Viking Age. The series tells the story of Hakon Haraldsson better known as Hakon the Good and his fight to claim and keep the high seat of Viking Age Norway. Eric Schumacher has written two books called God's Hammer and Raven's Feast and is currently in the process of writing the third book in this wonderful series. Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. So, I've had the pleasure of reading your first book, God's Hammer, and I have to tell you, just thoroughly enjoyed the book. It's a historical fiction. It is the first book in the Hakon Saga series. And it just really, well, I'll let you get into the storyline here in a second without giving it away, but I've just, yeah, I've been enamored by the characters and the description of the events and the historical research that has gone into this book. But why don't you start us off today by telling us why you've chosen uh, this period, the Viking Age, to write a book series about?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, a lot of people have actually asked me um, that question. I was born and raised in Southern California, so it's not exactly the you know hotbed of, of Viking history. But I've been enamored with Vikings ever since I can remember, since I was a tiny little kid, so um, I couldn't get enough, you know, to read about them. I um, I think some of it started with actually reading Tolkien and, you know, reading a little bit about, you know, some of his uh, the characters in his books. Um, and then I started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was little. And so, you know, I think that that also sort of fueled my my imagination. You know, the more I got into it, the more I wanted to know about it. And yeah, I think that's what, you know, that's what kind of sparked my interest in in Vikings. I just think that they're a fascinating people and the time is a fascinating time. It struck me, you know, the more I got to, to sort of know about this period in history, it struck me as a really sort of pivotal time in history where things could have gone either way. So um, it was a very sort of good versus evil or dark versus light or however you want to frame it, um, period in time. Where, you know, had the Vikings actually succeeded in taking over Francia or had they succeeded in taking over what was then England or Ireland, you know, things could be very different in in terms of, you know, how uh, how history shaped itself. Yeah,
0: no, that's great. And it is such, obviously, I run a podcast about it. So it is it is at that a very interesting and period in history. So could you briefly describe the basic storyline of your books, kind of introduce us to the main characters in the series, uh, the setting, the location, just kind of give us a, a brief insight and look into your book series.
1: Yeah. So um, from kind of a high level, without giving away too much of the actual book, these books are about Håkon the Good, as, as you said. Um, Håkon is a really interesting character. He was a, a boy who was shipped off to, to England to be raised in the courts of Wessex. Comes back to Norway, either summoned by some nobility there or on his own volition to take the high seat of, of Norway or what was then Norway, wasn't really called Norway then, uh, from his brother, uh, Eric Bloodaxe, who was kind of a, a vicious character in, in Viking history. And it's it's about his sort of struggle to, um, as a youth to figure out, um, his, his footing as he moves back into Norway, as he tries to gather followers, as he tries to, um, you know, fight, essentially fight for, you know, the, the high seat of what was then Norway. So it's, that's kind of first book. And then the second book is, um, you know, how he manages to sort of rule the country, um, his fights with the Danes, uh, and some of the things that we know about the history of Norway and and Denmark at that time, so um, all of that comes into play in these in these stories. Um, but essentially, it is really Hakon the Good story, as best as we know it. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of gaps, and so there was some po- poetic license that actually took place. But you know, I tried to bring in his history from the sagas and also from a lot of the, the history books that you know that I've read and the research that I've done to frame it in in a way that's sort of a plausible story for for Hakon. Um, and hopefully, I've done that.
0: Yeah, and Hakon the Good was a a real person, obviously, uh, so where did you find most of your information when uh, researching the book on Hack on the Good? Do we hear of him in certain Viking sagas in uh, more traditional accounts of the Vikings? So, um,
1: yeah, I, I actually stumbled across Hakan. He was not my original character of, of, you know, my Viking books when I first started writing the, the books. Um, I was actually writing about a completely fictitious character set a little bit earlier than Hakan, the time of, of Hakan's father, Harold Fairhair or Finehair. As I was reading the different sagas, Sagas, I actually stumbled across Håkon the Good Saga. And the more I started reading into him, the more fascinated I, be- I became with his story. I just thought it was fascinating that some essentially a kid would go off to England, would be fostered there by the Wessex king, Athelstan, um, would actually come back to Norway still as a teenager and managed to fight for the throne of Norway, um, essentially as a Christian um, when he was trying to rule um, quote unquote, heathens at the time. So everything about his story I thought was, was kind of, um, a little bit different than what you normally read when you read about sort of the, the bloodthirsty Viking or the big muscular Beowulf type Viking. Or something like that. So I just, I just thought his, his character was a really interesting character. And yeah, there's, there's not as much um, written about Hakan the Good. In fact, I've had a lot of people ask me why I chose him versus, you know, writing about Eric Bloodaxe or writing about his father or writing about some other, you know, um, some other Viking from history. And I think that that's part of the attraction is that he was not as well known. Um, but his story is just as fascinating, if not more so.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And you touched on a point earlier, as Hakon the Good is establishing his rule in Norway, he actually uh, comes across the Danes and fights fights with them too. So that we kind of see Vikings fighting among themselves and fighting among other Vikings yeah, in, and in then, your um, books, don't we?
1: That's an interesting storyline that um, I pursue a little bit more in the second book. And also in the third book, you know, a lot of people think about Vikings as those folks that actually go off and and raid other lands and go out and sort of discover new lands like Iceland or Greenland. But there was a lot of fighting and a lot of uh, infighting going on back at home. So um, the Norwegians... Who were essentially living in in various smaller kingdoms at the time, because you know uh, Norway wasn't one country. They were fighting amongst themselves. Uh, they were fighting the Danes, who you know had their eyes and, and their designs on on taking over a little bit more of of what was Norway. Um, the Swedes were fighting each other. Um, the Swedes were fighting the Danes. Were fighting the Norwegians. So there was just a lot of there was a lot of battles going on all through that period at home, not just. You know, the Vikings going off and fighting in Francia and in England and Scotland and Ireland. You know, those are the stories that we hear about. But again, you know, part of the attraction for me was this actually shines some light or my stories actually shine some light on what was happening on the home front during all this time.
0: Yeah, no, that is that is fascinating. And uh, you really get the sense as as you read your books, the Vikings definitely and in history as well, thought of themselves as being more local, locally oriented, if you will. Like uh, they didn't obviously refer to themselves as being Vikings, but rather. Danes, the Swedes, people of Norway, Norse. So I think that's really interesting. And, and as I read your book, there's just, and I won't give too much of it away for those of our, our listeners who intend on reading it, but there's just so many little sprinkles of uh, history in them. Like there's a character who happens to be from Byzantium and the Vikings actually referred to Byzantium as Miklagard. So I thought that was really interesting that she was uh, referred to as being from there in the book. So yeah, that's one thing I've really enjoyed uh, while I was yeah. While I was reading your work,
1: I I mean, I love the research part of it as well, Um, and I think that there's there's a lot that actually happened during that period that people don't know about, and I by that I mean there was a lot more awareness of the world outside of where they were, even though they were very locally sort of minded folk. I think that they didn't think of themselves as English or Norwegian or you know, or even Scandinavian, thought of themselves as you know in the kind of the locale, or maybe the county, or uh, where they live. That being said, there was still this understanding and awareness of people from Miklagard or from you know the areas of the the Rus and the Volga River and you know various other areas of of the world. So I don't think that um, I don't think that that it was as what's the word as as local. As people would think, it is in terms of the overall world and, and people's ability to get around in that world.
0: Yeah, that's a very interesting concept because, as as much as the Vikings were very much their lives, their lives centered on the climate and culture in Scandinavia at the time. Uh, they had these massive trading networks, and they were definitely aware of the other cultures that existed around them. So, I think I think that's. That's really interesting. We've touched on a lot of the book, and we'll certainly come back to it. But tell us where so, can people uh, on purchase Amazon your book? Is
1: where they can get the two books. Uh, the third book is actually coming out later this year, or at least uh, that's what I've been told. So I don't know exactly what month. Again, Amazon is probably the best way that, to go. Um, it's available on all the different Amazon um, sites, so not just U.S. and in the U.K., but also in in France and. Canada and Germany, et cetera. So, um, if you are from somewhere else, you can find it there. And then I also have an audiobook. Um, so, God's Hammer is coming out in audio format on May 1st. And then Raven's Feast is coming out in audiobook format a little bit later. I don't have an exact date on that, but um, again, shouldn't be long. Uh, and those can be found on Amazon as well, also on Audible and various other sites where um, audiobooks are found and sold.
0: Awesome. And I'll be sure to put Amazon links and all sorts of links to those books. In the in the description of this episode, just so you you guys know who are listening. But as you've and I'm I'm curious because as you've done research in this book, you know, you've put so much into this book. What have you discovered about the Vikings that that you never really knew before or that many people fail to realize about the Vikings? Is there any sort of traits and attributes to them that that we just fail to, oh, wow. to appreciate uh, about there the Vikings are a lot in of
1: things, Um, that I think I learned in the process of doing the research. First and foremost, I think that you know. know. know, again, going back to my original point, I think a lot of people think of Vikings as folks that go off and raid and pillage. And and that is primarily the case. I mean, I think it's becoming clearer and clearer that Viking to be a Viking was more of a profession than it was anything else. So in reference to the people that actually lived back in the Denmark area or the Norwegian area or the Sweden Sweden area, they were more, they weren't Vikings. They were Scandinavians. They were, you know, from where they were from, but they didn't necessarily reference themselves as vikings unless they were the the folks that went off and did the the raiding so i think that that was one uh, really interesting point that that i learned um another really interesting point is just all the different the way that they lived um not only the laws that they had but the 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 fact that yeah. they actually had law things or law assemblies you know, through the course of the year where people could get together, where they could exact laws on, you know, each other. And, you know, it was one of the the first and actually democratic law assemblies that, that actually existed. I think the, you know, the women folk and how they actually lived and the rights that they actually had, um, learning about them is, you know, is fascinating. They were far, far more advanced, I would say, in that regard, uh, and far more liberal in that regard than, you know, a lot of other cultures that existed at that time. Their ability to get around, actually, the, the mobility, I should say, is, was fascinating to me. That was something that, you know, I learned as well in, in the research, just how far they went, going all the way to North America, going all the way you know to Byzantium, so you know that was pretty incredible. You know I could just go on and on. One of the things that I I learned early on, and this was actually from a researcher that read my book uh, before it actually was published, was that the sensibility, the mindset of folk that actually lived back then was a little bit different. No one ever thought of themselves as from a as from England, right? That that was. It didn't exist really as England. You were from Wessex or you were from somewhere else, right? You're from Northumbria. That the, the idea and the notion of one country, one king yeah. was a pretty foreign concept to them. And I, it was really hard for me to get my head around that at first. But the more I sort of read and the more research I did, the more I realized that, yeah, I mean, there's there's no, you know, these countries didn't exist as we know them today. And so you had to be, you know, from writing the story, in, in writing the story, you know, I had to think of it a little... little... little bit differently and and think in terms of, okay, first and foremost, it's your family and then, then it's your community. And then it's, you know, those people that are kind of your extended community. But, you know, the whole notion of I'm... An Englishman, or I am a Norwegian. I mean, that just did not exist in their mindset.
0: That's fascinating. And uh, King Athelstan, who is he was in Wessex, the main character, so, Hakon's foster father. What what so uh, b- part of England did he England. reign in? And I'll ask you another question, and that is, when talking about the Vikings, and I'd be interested to hear your your thoughts on this. When describing the Vikings, is it fair to label all of the inhabitants of Scandinavia as Vikings, or was were the Vikings a people? or was to go a Viking more of an occupation Occupation, would you say? So, uh, when um, we refer to Vikings, read, are we only uh, in, in talking about the Recently,
1: the more it seems to be uh, in occupation that to go Viking or to go a Viking was something that you did, and therefore, um, if you were a raider or pillager, someone that that went off to um, go fight in a foreign land, then you were going Viking. But improper to say you know, the, uh, the lady who, you know, who is married to a farmer at home is, you know, a Viking or that the farmer himself is a Viking. He is probably, you know, not a Viking. He's just a farmer or a craftsman or a trader. So, you know, not everyone went in the summertime to, to go fight. Right or to go pillage? Um, only certain people did, and and that was again an occupation.
0: Yeah. No, thank you for answering that because I just that's a lot of uh, controversy surrounding that. But another fascinating aspect, and I, I can't recall exactly the chapter where it was mentioned in in the in your first book, God's Hammer. But there was a part, and I will, and I was talking to a linguist actually a few weeks ago. He's a specialist in Old English, but he also uh, has a pretty solid understanding of Old Norse. It was where. I think it was in the beginning of the book where the the Vikings were engaging in conversation with the Anglo-Saxons, the the people of of England, and they really could understand each other. I mean, Old Norse and Old English and the language of the Anglo-Saxons were certainly different, but I love how you portrayed just that they they could understand each other much better than say somebody from Norway and somebody from the United States or England uh, Um, would have trouble understanding one another today.
1: I'm sure a lot of um, others have, but my understanding of it is, is that it was close enough where they could understand each other. Um, I'm sure that there was a lot of words that were foreign, but they could, they could figure it out uh, and it wouldn't take long for them to kind of, to converse. Um, that being said, you know, I don't know how long it would take them. I don't, you know, I don't know if it was something that, you know, the Danes were closer to you know the Danish language was closer to the Anglo-Saxon language than the Norwegian or the Swedish language. Like I don't, I don't. Those are sort of nuances that um I don't know if anyone really knows, other than you know linguists and people that really study it deeply.
0: Yeah, no, that was just something interesting that I had yeah. that I had picked up among the many little yeah, sort I, hopefully of I um, didn't do, uh, knowledge sprinklings. You know, I mean, I think that there's a, your a fine book. line
1: between actually telling a good story and encumbering a, a story with you know too much uh, historical detail, if you will. So. So, you know, I've tried to sort of sprinkle those those bits of knowledge in without actually, you know, stopping the story or stopping the flow of the story, and hopefully, I hopefully I did that.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I, I certainly think you did. So, uh, your third book uh, that is out coming year, out. You've mentioned um, it later before, in the but year. that should be coming out. Um, did I you say sometime a, this year? Don't have an exact date yet,
1: but I'm guessing it's going to be fall. Um, so keep your eyes out for that. Um, and again, that is. You know that'll tell the story of of okay. the next chapter, if you will, in in the story of Hakan the Good. And it was it, it's interesting. So the first book took me a long time to to write, just because you know I've got another profession, uh, day job, if you will, and I've got kids and family and life. So it took me you know a good ten years to write that first book, and then the second year took me just as long. Yeah. And then this final book took me about a year to write. So it'll be interesting to see. It's it's actually being edited right now. If it holds up with with the other two, uh, I'm hopeful that it. Does, or if,
0: you know, if not better. (laughs) <laughs> than uh, than the first two, so we shall see. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited to uh, start the second book here. Uh, as I said, I just finished the first, and I'll certainly be excited to read the the third book in this series as well. But do you see an end in sight in terms of writing these these marvelous books about Vikings and uh, following? You know, the, I've got to, the uh, histories uh, yes, of these insight. remarkable characters um, such as I mean, Hack on the Good? I will
1: always be fascinated by by the Vikings, but it really comes down to the characters. And so, you know, I have I. Find find more enjoyment in actually writing about characters that existed. Um, It's a little bit harder because you don't have as much license to, you know, go off and get crazy with the story. Um, You have to stay pretty close, at least in my mind, you have to stay pretty close to, you know, what actually happened with these characters. With that in mind, it really comes down to finding characters that I find interesting, you know, and those kind of characters are the characters that have some sort of uh, moral challenge or moral battle going on, as well as sort of excitement and adventure going on in their life. So there's kind of this twofold storyline, if you will. Uh, And that's, you know, that's what I found in Hakan the Good. And I hope to find that in another character in in the Viking Age, um, either before Hakan or after Hakan. But um, it'll be it'll be related in some way, shape or form.
0: Yeah. And I think that's I think that's really great because the Vikings are clearly just such an interesting people and such an interesting topic to explore. History for, for so many is such a boring, dry subject, you know, just, um, but I think these, these books that sort of um take the the actual history and the actual story of these these um, remarkable historical characters and put them into a language and a story that is easy and fun for every everyday people to understand is great so I think that's great that you're doing that and I think it's great for people I, who I couldn't really agree want more to I, experience you know, I, I've always been history. history and really see um, history a subject
1: but when I would learn it in class it just bored the hell out of me and part of that was because you know it, it's the way it's taught or at least the way I was taught was it yeah. was um, you know learning dates and learning why certain things happen, but never really diving deeply into the storyline of or the motivations yeah. of individual people. Right. Like why did, you know, Kings do what they did or why did presidents do what they did and what happened around them while they were doing it? I mean, all of this stuff is, um, are just great stories, you know, and there's, there's hundreds of thousands of them out there. Right. If history could be taught or if I was taught in that way, you know, it would have been a lot more fun. Uh, And I think that that's part of what attracted me to, to actually historical fiction in the first place, which was once I actually started to read stories from history, I just, I couldn't get enough because I, I just felt like, you know what, that was the way to learn.
0: Yeah. I, could, I couldn't I could agree more. Well, uh, I'll be sure to put a link to Eric's books in the description of the show. You guys, I do encourage you to purchase them as it would uh, help Eric out uh, quite a bit here. And just recommend these books enough. I think they're great. I've enjoyed reading them. And I really, no, I really do hope you I really, uh, all go out really and purchase appreciate them. But it Eric, and I, thank you so I much for joining this. me this today. Awesome. If you've enjoyed this episode of The History of Vikings, do me a colossal favor and write me a review as it will help people to find the show and I would be thoroughly delighted to hear from you you can also contact me via my email address at NOah at the history com. tune in next week on the history of Vikings.